Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Our reading today, our task this afternoon is in Luke, the 21st chapter. Um, If you have read the Gospel of Luke, specifically in the 21st chapter, um, Jesus takes time to tell us about the things that should happen uh, before the end of the ages. He speaks of how nations rise against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. He speaks about great earthquakes in diverse places, famines, pestilences, fearful sights and great signs in the heavens. And then he also speaks of a persecution that should precede before. Um, delivering some to synagogues and to prisons, being brought before kings and rulers. But the Bible says it shall turn to a testimony. Praise the Lord. It shall turn to what? To testimony. So if you listen to Thursday's service in trying to help understand that your deliverance is available, you'll understand why even in the persecutions that we go through, we are guaranteed a testimony. Tell your neighbor, I am guaranteed a testimony. And some of you have heard me prophesy recently on the, was it two years ago when I spoke about earthquakes? Huh? And I remember telling you that there are going to come earthquakes in the world. Volcanoes are going to erupt like have not erupted in a long time. And we're seeing that. If you remember from the time I gave that prophecy, we have seen volcanoes that have erupted like they have not erupted before in human history. And we heard of the Turkish earthquake. I think recently Morocco had one as well. I think more than 2,000 lives have been lost. But you see, these things are just not there for people to say, ah, this man speaks and he hears from God. No, no, that's not the heart really. We're not trying to emphasize that. The emphasis here is to awaken every man and woman to the seriousness of Jesus' return. Jesus is soon to return. And I know this has been spoken for thousands of years, but today the signs are spelling so much more than ever before. If you see the madness in the world, the laws that are being passed, you know, the decisions that men are making, the portals and the speed at which the portals are being opened, you know, sometimes I wish I could just get some time and talk about the end of the ages. I've taught something like that, I think it was in school of ministry, but I have not had an opportunity to probably generally go into this. I have taken so much time to study. I'm reading the signs and I'm seeing so much is at play before our eyes. The portals are opening as faster than we can. You know, giants are being awakened in the earth. For some of you want to read about, you know, uh, names like Gilgamel. You'll be amazed at the things science is doing. Guys literally are trying. They've gone back into ancient history to dig out to see where the floods took place. Uh, can we find uh, skulls of those giants? Can we, out of those skulls, create human beings after that similitude? It's funny. The age of transhumanism is before our eyes, you know. 
it's a lot science is speaking telling us everything is telling us that we're in the end times everything is telling us that we're in the end times so we need to not only pray but commit ourselves to what god requires of us in this hour and those who have ears are hearing say amen but um i pray god gives me the grace one time to really take us through some of these conversations again in luke 21 he continues down to verse 16 and then he tells us how you will be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends bible says and some of you they shall cause to be put to death they shall cause to be put to death and you shall be head of all men for my name's sake but again because our deliverance is available it says but there shall not an hair of your head perish so if you end up there in 16 you think death but then it says here down not hair on your head shall what shall perish in other words deliverance is available deliverance is available somebody shout amen they might want to take you out but your deliverer is available and you know back in the day we used to teach about the fourth man in the fire the story of Daniel. But when you study the New Testament dispensation, you're actually the fourth man. It's amazing. Christ in you now, the hope of glory. He can't be seen besides you now. He's seen in you. Anyway. So he says, you're going to go through these persecutions. You're going to go through these trials. You're going to go through these tests. You're going to go through these attacks on your life. The gospel should not be a strange thing to separate mother and child. This thing will separate husband and wife. It will separate parent from child. It will separate friends. It will separate kin folks. Some of you, I believe, have already attested this experience. You know? You've probably been in a place where you're being persecuted already because you're in a church that teaches these things they assume we teach. Some of you in joining Fanero, you lost friends that are not going to come back until they understand later. Some of you, you were the very critics and persecutors. You know, you beat your children up, now you're in the same church with them. You know, some of you, you already commented about us on YouTube before you knew us. Now you love us most you could kill for us. But you see, it's a process. Do not hate these people. Do not fight them. Do not spite them. You know? Because they just don't know. They don't know. The people who judge us don't know us. They really don't know who we are. You know? If they knew us, they would love us. If they knew us, they would appreciate us. They would celebrate us. But they don't. You see? My family didn't understand me at first. So they kept asking, why is he always in church? Why is he always in prayer? Now they know. Because they are part of the church. You see? So, those things will happen. The people might not understand you now. Your families might not understand you now. Some of you might be enduring so much persecution and hatred from people who loved you once because they don't understand what. Why are you in that church? Or some of you even just being born again. Some of your parents have a problem with you being Christian. They might have not had a problem with you when you're drinking or high on something, but now they have a problem with you. That's not them. So don't put it on them. Okay? It's just 
the devil working through certain individuals where they will come one day to the knowledge of the truth and they'll come through. But it's important you win them by love. The Bible says that the sweetness of the lips increases learning. You know, the wrath of man worketh not righteousness. Your anger is not going to change them. James 1.20 tells us. But your sweetness, the sweetness of your lips will increase learning. It's like as a pastor, you know, I can't be hard on you, I'll criticize, I'll rebuke, but you have to sense my love for you. Because if you don't sense that love, it is hard for you to learn. I have to handle you, some of you, like babies. You know, because you're in a process. It's an ongoing process, but eventually you mature and you can take the hard stuff. Hallelujah. So, persecution was promised. You know, betrayal was promised. And we're going to see many of that as we continue to the end of ages. It's going to come. Those are attacks without because Satan sees the testimony of God on your life and he wants to make sure you lose it. But also there will be attacks within, you know, things that will come to test you financially, things that will come and test your marriage and start to shake it, things that will test you on your children. I was dealing with a dear man of God, friend of mine, very close to me. He did a very huge revival meeting in a stadium. It was full of people. And hundreds were saved. And after that stadium, he comes back home. And this boy is on drugs. You know, it was an attack. Something was testing him against what he believed. We have been tested. I have gone through things that seemed like what to take me out. But they never took me out. They were testing the word of God in my life. The Bible says that there's going to be attacks that will come on account of the word. He says that people who have no root in themselves, they cannot endure when they're being tested. And I want you to underline that word endurance because I'm going to come back to it a bit later. He says when they are troubled and persecuted on the account of the word, troubled and persecuted on account of the word, they immediately are offended. They become displeased, indignant, resentful and stumble and fall away. There are people who are just a, a sickness away from denouncing this thing they believe on. Some of you, things are shaking and they shake to a point where you say, you know what? Become indignant. I'm not going to pray today. I was down, you know. And unfortunately, we also have a spoiled generation, okay? Spoiled in essence from foundation, even in their own households. They were not dealt with and raised right because this generation is not raising. It's breeding. It's rearing. They're raising children like chicken. They're not talking into them and, and grounding them. You see, I saw an advertisement the other day. It just came through on my screen on YouTube while I was watching some. And then this lady was talking about her experiences with God. It was meant to be that kind of thing of encouraging those who are watching her. I think it was a church that gave her an opportunity to speak. Because she was, I think, encouraging people to love God and stuff like that. So she testifies of her love for her master and her walk with Jesus. And then, you know, in there, she says something that broke my heart. She said, and you know, I talk to God like I, I talk to my friends, you know. And sometimes I can tell God, I'm mad at you. I don't want to talk to you. And I know it's okay because it's my friend. You know, so. I... No comment. You're mad at God. Oh, I said no comment. So. <laughs> Things will come and test you. Things will try you. You might go through attacks in your body. Go through attacks in your family. Go through attacks in your workplace. Go through attacks. You might be delayed in life. Things will come to shake who you are. 
Hallelujah. But I'll tell you the very words Jesus told his disciples. Verses 19. He says, in your patience, possess your souls. In your patience, possess your souls. I cannot emphasize the power of patience. The power of patience. I cannot emphasize it enough. He says, possess your soul in patience. Now it's important for you to maintain patience. What is patience? The Greek word has two definitions of patience. One of which is a long spirit. To have a long spirit. A long spirit is somebody who does not lose, you know, their zeal. You know, they don't lose their commitment. They don't lose their heart. To lose the heart. To lose heart. To faint. They don't lose heart. People who are consistently strong in spite of the adversities, the tests and trials in their lives. They are fighters from the core. But also, in one of the definitions, it also defines a place of being constant, steadfast. The place of endurance is being constant, consistent in the things that you've committed yourself into. That's a man which is patient with God. You see? Not everybody who is in marriage, for example, is in marriage because their marriage has been the best. But they endure and say, you know, I see the madness of the prophet, but let me endure him. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Consistent, steadfast, long-suffering. Like I already said, the younger generation doesn't understand that like the older generation. You just need to see the things mothers back in the day and fathers went through to keep their marriages. Today, people are annoying me. Two weeks, I went divorced. Three months, you understand. And sometimes, I think that older people look at you or us and they say, eh, already? You know, but that's just what the days have given me. The good times bring weak men. You know, like one person wisely said that hard times produced strong men. And those strong men, because they were hard workers, they brought good times. You know, their children were born in affluence, some uh, provisions, some graces. You went to school, probably mom or dad had a car and you slept in a house, a good house and you know, things went well. So those good times produced very weak men. You find the boy is 40 but he doesn't even know how to work. He can't even find a job. He has a master's degree, PhD on his head. And I'm not saying that the days are not hard. I'm only saying our fathers had harder days without an education. Have you ever asked yourself how our fathers even took us to school? Four, five kids and they're all going to school. You're struggling with your two. And some of them were not educated, not as exposed as we are. There's always a provision for a man or woman out there who is willing to dream and work. There's always a door for you. You see? So those good times are bringing weak men and those weak men are going to birth hard times. So that is why I love the Jewish philosophy. They teach that tough men will bring good times, but it takes a certain wisdom or they teach actually the wisdom of how tough men in good times teach their kids to stay tough. That's the anointing of grace that preserves the wealth, preserves the glory, preserves, you know, all that has been laid for posterity. And we need to have that wisdom. 
because some of us 2023 by what we have we are already spoiling our children before our eyes our children are already getting spoiled already i see how some people handle their children and you can tell this kid is going to sink unless this parent comes through and understands how to raise this child praise the lord anyway back to what i was trying to tell us here in your patience possess your souls god is saying there is wisdom in learning to be patient it's that consistency the endurance to stay on course and keep or stick to the pattern of purpose god has designed for you in spite of all the tests and trials the things that are shaking you because it is easy to draw back why did jesus say keep your patience because he knew it was going to be the biggest attack the devil would launch on people who know who they are and aligned for good who know you know that you're a child of god and you're aligned for good the devil knows he can't hold back your blessing he can't hold back your miracle he can't hold back anything but he can tire you to unbelief he can create circumstances or situations to tire you into unbelief he knew that would be the greatest attack to give up and i just tell people some of you will understand this in heaven you might not understand it in this lifetime because this is not something somebody can simply tell you it is something that must come to your revelation your spiritual eye must see this but i have seen most as a man of god many people have given up at most when their miracle was just seconds away if they had just waited a little longer this is something you must see it's not something you can just receive by telling there's certain things that must come by experience the word has to be an experience for you to actually see the reality of these things but there are people i have seen in life who have lost it when they were just two days three days four days and they give up they give up and some begin so well some began so well you almost knew this one the trajectory is clear the light goes the right way and that's what happens in hebrews The Bible says chapter 10 verses 32. He tells them call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated you endured a great fight of afflictions. He's trying to remind people who have forgotten. They once had it and then one time they pulled back. They drew back. And I tell people there's no tear that I have like the tears I carry for the people who I knew started so well especially now when it comes to ministry the people with whom the rain were beaten together the sun scorched us we sat on border borders the dust hits you but you're saying no they're saying no we love god they're on the streets they're putting their names to shame and they bear the marks of christ and then after a few years this person doesn't believe in god anymore no man no man doesn't matter who they are me inclusive should disconnect you from your relationship with god Maybe they were offended by a pastor or a minister. It's not enough for you to fall. And some it wasn't even offense. It was just a foundational consecration. I always tell people we must be very careful when people are being set out to walk the life of salvation. Remember the pendulum is he wills that all men be saved, comma, and that they might come to the knowledge of the truth. Salvation is important. but a man must be founded and established in the knowledge of the truth so these foundational consecrations are key because they define the principles and patterns by which somebody 
builds the trajectory of their destiny. And I've seen it many a time. It breaks my heart so much. Because again, the danger sometimes is when the gift comes before the consecration. Whether you want it or not, it's going to be a bad fall. Might take a year, two years, ten years, but eventually goes where it must go. Why? Because the gift will puff up. It will deceive. Have you ever read this portion of scripture that says, appoint not a novice? List out of pride. The Bible says he fall into the condemnation of the devil. How was a novice appointed? A novice is a spiritual baby. Somebody who is spiritually mature. How was a novice appointed? How did they appoint a novice? Because when we look at giftings in the body of Christ, we reward them. We reward gifts for maturity. And the graces that judge maturation are not anywhere in comparison with the graces that judge the giftings. Giftings can decelerate or accelerate. They carry the advantage. They can even be extended. Even through a hanky, I can extend a gift. Charisma. Dos or charisma. Charisma. Especially. I can extend. I can extend an anointing by a hanky. But I can't extend understanding by a hanky. Are you following what I'm saying? It has to come from the grounding of receiving instruction and sitting under a teacher of the word. Someone who can actually help you cut asunder, separate bone and marrow, expose your heart and thought for what they really are. For the Bible says, for all things are naked, comma, and open before him. With him, we have to do. You see, the Amplified says you become defenseless. The deceptions of your carnality and the egos that could be inflated because of your ignorance, they are cut and beaten. You are humbled because you meet somebody who actually knows God and they are able to give you that experience. You understand what I'm saying? But also, we are also learning. We who are teaching also are also learning. There are also things I'm getting anew and I'm like, ah, I didn't see this right. Now I see it right. But there's a process, an ongoing process where all as a result of graces that we have received from other people and we are also an extension of those graces to those who must learn. And I emphasize the word must learn. You see? Because it takes a certain faithfulness. He says, commit these things to able and faithful men which are able to teach others also. You teach these things to others also. But many people foundationally, we got these gifts and fed them. Now, and these gifts can be fed so far until a man is in an office of whose wisdom he does not carry. Of whose aptitude he cannot contain. And it becomes very dangerous because the brother or sister is already up there. And they're up there because they avail themselves. The making of a eunuch is very clear. I can either be born a eunuch, a man can make me by extending the grace operating on his life, or I can actually make myself a eunuch because I have learned how to consecrate my time with him and receive from him by the anointing. You see? So that's why I said, in our earlier days, I saw very gifted boys, very gifted guys who could open blind ears, make lame men walk easily in prayer. But when it came to ministry, it never translated. The womb was barren. Why? Because the foundation was not right. Doesn't matter how gifted you are. There are things only consecration can do. Somebody say amen. Are you learning something? So like my 
uh, brothers and sisters is talking about in Hebrews. So we find ourselves in those instances where we start right and the zeal is there. It's the joy of salvation. This person is aggressive and on fire for God. And then one day they lose it. Sometimes you examine it and the reason they will always give will always be carnal. Somebody hurt me or I felt uh, I was going through this or I lost my job and then I got frustrated or uh, Kevin left me or it's something like that. It's always something on those lines. But the issue really was the ground. They were not rooted. You remember the issue of how? Because some are not, you know, grounded. They have no real root. Mark 4.17 says real roots. That means they're false roots. And I can't teach about that now, but there's a false distinction of roots. People say they are rooted. They look like they are rooted. But when, you know, the rubber meets the road, they can't really stand. They still, it can't. They just can't keep up. It becomes so hard for them to sustain. That's why I tell people, honor the place of consistency. Somebody to be enduring through. To be enduring through. And you see this woman keep her marriage. This man keep his job. Year in, year out, he's still the same man working hard. Respect those people. Respect those people. I've only been in active service for 20 years. 20. Two decades. And I tell you, very few in this room can put up your hands and say, I've served God consistently without a fall for 20 years. I can tell you, I've seen many fall off the way. It's not easy. It's not easy to be consistent. Either the brooks have dried or... The oracles have fallen before our eyes. There's a certain discipline God will require of you. So respect people. You know, you see a woman who raised you since you were little. You're now 30 something and you have the audacity of opening your mouth and speaking over her like she's your peer. My mother is not my peer. She can never be my peer. I'm her pastor, I know. But I know when the mother is speaking. I know now where I have to be sad. Why? Because I know what it took her to raise me. You see what I'm saying? So some of you, you must respect people who have done things for some time. Have some little respect. You know, the Bible speaks of, you know, when the foundations are out of course and, and it speaks of times when, you know, societies or civilizations are breaking as God has designed them. The Bible says the younger lift themselves aloof and proud over the elder. You start to see young people talking to elders like they're their equals. Some of you already, your children are speaking to you like that. The way they talk back at you. There's already something broken there. Somebody said, God help us. So Paul speaks in Hebrews and says, I want you to come to remembrance in the times when you are illuminated, the light had just come and you endured a great fight of afflictions because you had the joy of salvation. But then it zeroes down and your infatuations had now to become love. You must understand agape. It must become an intimate relationship, not a child which is spoiled because they are an appeal, spiritual baby, infant. Now we must mature you. My child can do certain things now because she's that age. There comes a time where she won't. And my wife will have to say, no, darling, at this age, you don't do this. You see, we make her bed because that's her age. When she makes five or six, we won't be making her bed. We'll be spoiling her if we make her bed at five. You see what I'm saying? So some of us, we had to go through the process of growing up and maturing. It's not an easy journey. It's not a convenient journey. 
So he tells us in Hebrews that people started falling off. Some started falling off. Verses 33, he says, Partly, while you made a gazing stock, you were made a gazing stock, uh, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used, he's saying that there was a time you went, now he's explaining these afflictions. Eh? That's why it's a semicolon there. He says they were gazing stock, they carried reproach easily. But this third thing that I want us to emphasize, he says, you became companions of them that were used so, or so used. In other words, you also knew how to stand in solidarity with those which were going through these trials and afflictions because it is easy for people to leave you when you're in trouble. It is very easy, very easy. There was a man of God, a wonderful man of God that went through something in the United Kingdom. Very great fellow. He used to help these pastors, had a great relationship with them. He made some mistakes and uh, he went in prison. And of course, the case was very scandalous. And so he was isolated by his pastors. Isolated. So I'm in my home praying and the Lord tells me, take a flight and go to this man and minister to him. Now this, he not never given me anything. We were just a few acquaintances. There was nothing he had ever placed in my name. There was nothing I needed from him. But a minister was dying. So I took a flight to the UK and I went to this man's prison cell. Wept. I'm not telling you these things so I must know. I'm trying to help some of you, to mature some of you. So I sat with this man and we exchanged and talked for quite some time. And he was weeping. He was saying, the people who are just 20, 30 kilometers away, whom I helped, have now abandoned me in my scandal. And you have come for whom I did nothing for, or who would need nothing from me. And in my heart, I see that I was not doing that in my own grace or ability, but as simply that extension of God's love and patience for his own. Some people in life have done many prison visits of people you don't even expect me to visit because I discovered the secret there. When one of us falls, we are all in trouble. We are all in trouble. As a man of God, I'm sorry, I'll use this story because he allowed me to. They arrested him and all his peers just abandoned him. All of them abandoned him. So the Lord asked me, how can a father, a spiritual father to this nation be in prison and you're watching as a son? He's never, he's not my pastor. He was not my pastor. I had actually never met him. We never had a relationship. You understand? But in a time when everybody had pulled out, the Lord told me, go to that prison, pay everything he owes. Why? Because as a son in your generation, you cannot see a father in prison and keep quiet. You can't. If I had looked away, that would be an offense on my side, depending on the position God has given me in this nation. You see what I'm saying? So some of those things, let's get them out. Let us deal with the issues. Okay, you failed. Let's deal with it. But let's take the person out. Let's fight for our own. Fight for your own. Get them out of the pangs of the wicked. And let's fight with them inside. But now Christians are actually fighting their own more than the world is fighting us. We don't come to rescue our own. We don't fight for our own. Are you following what I'm saying? Especially 
I'm not saying exclusively, especially those who are even innocent. And some of us don't know because you're so gullible. You only judge a man by one side of the story. You don't know. You don't have the common sense that there are always two sides to a story. It's like as a pastor when I counsel people, a man can come and say things about his wife and you say, eh, this is the most wicked woman I've ever had. But I learned this in wisdom early. So you call the wife and say, uh huh, what's your part? You hear the story and say, eh, this man is the most wicked man I've ever known. You see? So there's always two sides of the story. And because it's not told, it doesn't mean that you carry, you know, the validity to judge according to what you've received. Nobody owes you an explanation. No. And as you continue growing, parents know this. Haven't you seen it among parents? Where this woman probably has her story. But she says, for the sake of my child, let me keep quiet. Or a man knows the story that the children don't know. And the woman can easily set these children against their father. And the man knows the truth. And he says, now, eh, should I also say the truth and damage them? No. And he says, okay, let me withdraw. You see, your father left us. I've seen this. And then one day as they continue to grow, the pieces start coming together. Then he says, mommy might have not been an easy woman. Or my father might have not been an easy man. You see what I'm saying? It takes time. But so is society, so is life. So is life. Oh, back to what I was saying. So they endured all these reproaches, but also were companions of them that were used so. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. You see, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. In verses 35, it tells them, cast not away therefore your confidence because it has a great recompense. You once fought for the weak, you endured afflictions, you were abused, you, you were reproached and you carried all of this with pain and still continued communicating and serving God as you ought. You are in this trouble and God is still saying, do not lose the confidence you have in God. The Bible says in verses 36, for ye have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, ye might receive the promises. He's saying, this confidence you've kept and the steadfastness, the constant attitude, the long spirit you've preserved and refused to lose heart in spite of all the trouble. He says, all of this has great recompense. He has explained in 36 that you need that patience. Because with that patience, after you have done the will of God, comma, you will receive the promise. You will receive the promise. And maybe that patience is seven years. Maybe that patience is five years. Maybe it's 15 years. Maybe it's 16. Maybe it's 30. But don't give in. Keep patient with God. That's what he's saying. So that's why I explained to you that some people at the onset of this journey, they are fighting. But as things become harder, they draw back. The Bible says, continue doing the will of God. Be patient, wait on him, but continue doing the will of God. Especially I'm talking to my daughters. Again, I tell people, because I pray for people in classes. Eh? I pray for single mothers. I pray for the sick in the ministry. I pray for you. I pray for those unemployed. I pray for broken families. I pray. But there's a group I pray so much for, the unmarried. 
because I know, number one, what it means to be found or to find the wrong person. Two, I know how desperate women are, especially women, when you clock a certain age and things are not just eh, working. Oh my God. Oh my God. The things people do in secret, you will be shocked. I'm a pastor. I hear these ears hear things. The compromises that come. This person has she endured her fight. She went in high school. She did this. She did that. She did this. She did that. And then out of pressure, she just says, you know, he's Muslim, but let's go. He doesn't go to church, but it's okay, Apostle. I feel God has spoken. No, 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 no. You see. Do you know how many people are deceived to think that God only answers according to his will? God does not only answer according to his will. That's your thinking. It's not doctrine. Truth. The Bible has showed us examples where God answered man when it was not his will. They asked for Saul as a king. God said, I don't want to give you a king. It's not your time to have a king. And they said, we want him. And he granted their request. So it's not enough to think that because God has said yes, therefore it was his will. It takes maturity to separate permissible and perfect. What is the perfect will of God on my life? And what is a permissible will? It can also come with blessing because he loves you enough to maintain your madness. But that doesn't mean that because he can budge to your madness, therefore it's his perfect will. Because some people think that every year is a man. Are you following what I'm saying? Not every yes by God is from his hand. He can because the human spirit is too resilient and insistent and God will not strive with man longer. He can say, okay, you want this non-believer? I've done everything. Go. That go. And sadly, some people pick that go. And they say, but God said, God told me. And we go ahead. But you better be careful when God says yes. Is he saying yes because it's his plan for your life? Or yes, because you're so insistent and indifferent to his pattern. And the fear that if he says no, he'll lose you. As a parent, he extends his love and mercies because it's the only way to keep you in the face. Do you know how many parents don't agree with their children, but they will say yes. I know a woman who got to a point where she had to give her boy money for drugs because she knew if she doesn't give him that money, he's going to steal it and they're going to arrest him. She just found herself giving that money. But if in his thought he can say, mommy gave me the money. So she agrees to my actions. No. It's not solely because the mother did not have a choice. But back to my single daughters. You women of God who are here, you've become too desperate. And instead of being patient with God, you find your own way. I have a story I could tell you. I don't know that I should tell it to you in a few seconds or minutes. Young lady I met, she was coming from a country called Austria. And I met her in this fellowship where we were fellowshipping in the cell of the church where I used to go to. And so, one of those days we were at a wedding, I see this vision in the spirit and she has lost her womb. So I, I turn to one of my leaders, I say, I want to submit something I've seen to you. 
I see that this woman does not have a womb. She lost a womb. And something demonic is connected to that loss. So this woman tells the lady, and that's when the lady now comes to open to me, that she had lost a womb. Well, what was her story? Her story was simple. High school girl, born again, loved the Lord, got a miracle one time. She was becoming blind. She had her eyesight back. She, you know, she served the Lord and loved God. And this non-believer comes and says, I want to marry you. Little did she know that this man was a satanic agent and she was a chosen bride of Satan himself, Lucifer. So he didn't come to Uganda to just marry a wife. He came on a mission. She didn't even know up to that moment. But by the time she had come from that nation, she had started losing her mind. Eh? She was seeing things and hearing voices. So when I ask her, uh, you know, how did you lose your womb? She says, oh, she starts explaining some things. The Lord start open my eyes like I would see, you know, like a movie. And I saw that the man she was married to was a satanic agent. And she didn't even know, even to that point. But she came with a lot of affliction. They, had, they organized her with bipolar. She was losing her mind. She was on medication. She was walking like a zombie, almost to death. So we start praying for her. I cannot tell you the things we saw. We rebuked devils and things started speaking out of her, speaking out of her, speaking out of her, demon upon demon, spirit upon spirit. And then while I was praying for her, I'm taken in their living room and I see a pot and in that pot they were pouring blood every week. So when she comes back to sanity, I ask her, I've seen a pot in your house and they are putting blood. And she said, yes, my husband used to have a pot and he was putting blood. But he used to say that that plant, there was a plant in that pot, that for it, it was fed by blood. Are you following what I'm saying? This is not, I'm not guessing. I'm telling you what I saw. So the spirit tells me she has points of contact on her. I get the ring, the demons speak. I get the earrings, demons speak. Everything on her, everything we touch, the demons started speaking. She started to go through a process of deliverance. At one particular point, she was roaring like a lion. I mean, I saw things on a human being that you cannot believe. The demons started speaking very easily. We possessed her. She's our wife. Why do you think she had the miscarriage? They explained why she had miscarriages. And later they had to remove the womb because, you know, these babies that were coming out of her womb were actually sacrifices, blood sacrifices. So be careful with governments that, that are pushing for abortion because in there, there are people who are looking for human sacrifice. The three gates that open demonic activities or open demonic portals, one of which is the shedding of innocent blood. That's abortion. But Alpeol, the god of perversions, Astaroth and the like. And then the third is modern day witchcraft. So back to what I'm trying to tell us. Long story short, we saw things I can't tell you. They were too crazy to believe. Anyway, one of those days she's getting better. I go to school. She goes into some church. I don't know where. They also went in some revelation of deliverance. She died on the altar. They call the husband and tell her your wife is dead. He calls after two or three hours and says, I have walked in hell. I can't find my wife. You're lying. That's when we knew she went to heaven. He said, I went to hell and walked through it. I can't find my wife. You're lying. She's not dead. That's when we knew. The guy was in deep things. But imagine where it began from. This girl just got attracted to a nice-looking white fella. They like them white sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? So some of you, the decisions you are going to make are going to cost literally your destiny. 
and some could even kill you because you're not patient for the right one. Take your time. Take your time. Take your time. I know some of your parents are get married. Parents, stop putting your children on pressure. Stop. Stop. You would rather she marries late but the right person than marrying a mad one. Are you following what I'm saying? So you see the pressure people go through and uh, you know then you tomorrow you're on a wrong man, you're on one who has like four wives. What? Why? Why? Because they can't endure. Some of you are doing jobs, you, you're trying things, you know, they're working today, tomorrow they're not, you're getting tired already. Yeah, you might not make wealth in 24 hours. It might not work in six months or two years. But you must be patient. That's why some of you are still poor. Because you were not patient. How can I make 50,000? Yeah, but that 50 becomes 100. And tomorrow it becomes 300. It becomes 3 million. It becomes 30. It becomes 300. It becomes 3 billion. But it had to begin from somewhere. Some of you, you think like God is like a, a casino. You think you're just going to hit the jackpot. Then work that way. The message Bible says, easy come, easy go. Actually, somewhere in the message version. When things come easy, sometimes they go, if there is no wisdom and principle and pattern in them, they will go the way they came. But yes, if you're selling, uh, you know, uh, apples or bananas, can you be patient and allow that business to grow? No. For you, you want to be CEO of a company with your graduation degree and no years of experience. You want people to ignore the pattern and principles that make you. You can't even lead an organization because you won't manage people. You won't manage situations the right way. You carry no judgment in your head. You just want to go and then become a CEO and then come drive a Mercedes Benz with a nasty attitude and an indifference pattern in your head. No. God wants to appoint you ready. The time comes. The time comes. You don't need to clap. I don't care until you are here. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. But the Bible says that point where God will require to say, be patient, Amanda. Keep with your God and just continue doing what he requires of you. A time comes. Some people see Fanero now, but they don't know those years where nobody even knew were on the face of the earth. They don't know those years where we're speaking to six, seven people in a restaurant somewhere, telling them of a dream you are seeing and people cannot believe it. But you just keep on the course. You get on the altar and they reject you. And they say, ah, ah, that one is, you can't preach, it's too young. My God, my God, we've seen things. I can't even explain to you. The betrayals. People do things to you until sometimes you, you say, oh, I think, let me just quit this thing and just go doing business. I'll find the kingdom. But then you just keep consistent. Why? Because there's a people, there's a cloud of witnesses behind you who one day will understand what God has placed on your life. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. I'm trying to teach you to be hard as steel. Huh? If you're an usher, yes, I know things are not yet working. But the day you ever wake up and you don't have transport, and you said devil, with or without transport, I'm ushering today. 
you will see God. And I'm telling people that's our journey. I remember the time I used to work at hospice. And then you go to Mulago and find a woman. She's on anti-TB drugs. She's on uh, chemotherapy. She's on HIV drugs. And she's eating portion beans. Because that's what the hospital could provide. You give transport. You transport. You give it. Then you walk back home speaking in tongues. Manto, zibalade, karado, gosha. And tomorrow you're going to do it. So, when you see me drive a good car, banange, undeke, oh, oh, undeke, I'm in a promise. Yeah, I'm in a promise. You do it also. Somebody shout amen. Every seed has a harvest. Just keep doing what you are supposed to do. Do your part. Do your part. Do your part. Do your part. Some of you see us heal the sick, but you don't understand compassion. The lady was called Devota. We used to go and make juice every morning when mice were eating her hair. You make her food. You get all your savings to make sure she's eating food. That was the first person we saw heal. A tumor disappearing. Karen Murket got blind. And I used to put her on my back. Every time I was going ministry. Because I did not have a car. And she was too blind to walk. I put her on my back every time. And they see this young man carrying a woman in a taxi. Every day going to the gospel. Because we love the sick. And somebody says, I want a healing anointing. The Bible says, Jesus moved with compassion. He healed. You must love God's people enough to want to heal them. Nobody's somewhere by mistake. People just don't appear. If we told some of you our stories, you'd not believe. And I'm not saying these things to boss, but I'm trying to help somebody. A young man who thinks you're just going to come out of university and raise your hands, receive a healing anointing, and then start flying across the world. No, there's a process. There's a process and you have to pay your dues. You'll be tested. And God will say, be patient. You drive to Kayunga in a car. You spend all your salary. You preach the gospel, the lame walk, the blind see, and they give you an offering of a young chicken. The pastor even brings it crying. <laughs> you come back to Kampala. <laughs> That's your seed. <laughs> oh, if I told you some of you these things, you'll not believe it. I'm trying to tell you, you have not suffered to the shedding of blood. There will always be a man who sacrificed more than you did. Why? Because we are believers. We are believers. Just keep on your course. If you're washing the toilet, wash it. Whether you have transport or you don't. Whether it's raining or it's shining. But you have people who don't even pray. Even when they have cars because it has rained. That's our generation. You can't even endure water from the sky. That's why I told people I admire those people who wash toilets. People who touch where you can't touch. Celebrate those people. Find them washing the toilet. Give them a seat. Not because they need your money. These people are hardworking people. They have their monies. But I'm trying to tell you, 
some of you heaven will shock you because you think you're going to take your titles as a pastor in, in Simanya what and you're going to find the guy who was in security there sitting next to apostle Paul saying hi <laughs> ah, ah. tell your neighbor serve the Lord you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God he says you will receive the promise be patient with God some of you are dealing with probably a sickness it has taken 20 years 15 even if it takes a decade or two decades it will still one day find its way out of your body but while you're on that journey keep on the course and do what God has called you to do hallelujah and this now goes even now to ministers I tell with ministers it's even offense next level if you don't understand this power and principle called patience Paul says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 6 verses 3 giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed in other words when whose ministry your ministry do not put a reproach on your ministry early do not dry your wells early by bringing offense to the person of the spirit you know some of you offend the spirit without knowing it don't grieve reject or offend the person of the holy spirit through some of these indifferences and if a man is walking in impatience you can easily grieve the person of the spirit he says giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed but in all things approving ourselves as ministers of God what was the first example he gave in much patience before the lame walk before the blind see before the dead are raised before people come floating in the sky because you have a lot of power he says first understand First, understand. I know you're anointed. But can you wait for your ministry? Can you sit and listen to this man even before he gives you an altar for two minutes? A guy comes, one, two months, he said, I want to preach. Eh? You understand what I'm saying? Ministration is waited upon because ministry is an invitation. The Bible says, on ministry, let us wait. But can you wait for God to exalt you? Portia walked to me 10 years ago and said, God has told me to serve you until you tell me go elsewhere. This British girl from Cambria, I thought she was joking. She had just received a miracle. She had an issue with her hand. She said, I'm going to serve you as long as the Lord wants me to serve you, wherever you will want me to. I said, looked at this girl. I said, hmm. Say, let me test her. One year. Two years. How many years have you served? Ten. Ten. I was in my room. It was uh, Thursday. God told me, today, today, anoint Porsche as a pastor. Without fail, I was in my room. I don't just lay hands. I don't just lay hands. If you've known me, there are few people I've put these hands on and said you are a minister. In this altar. They mean I don't respect anointings. But I know what it takes to put my hand on someone. It's instruction. You see what I'm saying? Now, some people will see her there and you think, hmm, 
I can teach better than her. You might teach better than her, but you might not have the tenacity and authority she has in the spirit. You understand what I'm saying? It's another thing. Authority in the spirit is another thing. It's beyond your gifting. You could make lame men walk, but you might not be able to command lives. Power with men. That thing. Somebody shout hallelujah. So he says, in much patience. Then he says, in afflictions, in necessities, in dress, distresses, in stripes, all of these are secondary, in imprisons, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge. Knowledge is far down there. By long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the arm of righteousness, on the right hand, on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying, behold, will live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. All of these things can pattern themselves when you understand the power of patience. Hallelujah. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you. In other words, the signs that proved my apostleship, they were wrought among you. What was the first thing he gave? In much what? Patience. Then signs and wonders and mighty deeds. But what came first? Patience. What makes me an apostle is my patience with your madness with you. There are people here that cannot be pastored by many pastors, but they're in Fanero. Ah, ah. But you be patient with them and you amaze what God does in their lives. Somebody shout hallelujah. And you see people change before your eyes. I'm so proud that some of you, because I know how you were, and I can see the women and men you've become, and I'm like... But it was being patient with you. So extend the same patience with people in your team. Extend the same patience with the people that you work with. Be patient with people. They will get there. Just wait for them. Somebody shout amen. amen. Lastly, what is the sign of a patient person? There are several, of course. The confidence, like I mentioned, is one of them. But there is this ultimate one, the most definitive one. That shows that this person is patient. James 1, 2. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. When your faith is tried, it teaches you patience. And when patience has had her perfect work, you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. A man can get to a point where they need nothing in this world. When you find a man who is not wanting in anything, when you find a man who is perfect in anything, that man has learned the way of patience. And it began with knowing how to carry the right attitude when you're in diverse trials and temptation, which is keep a joyful spirit. I know you don't have children yet, but you should never lose appetite and sleep because of that. I know you're not married yet. Some people are saying, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm alone. <laughs> single. Listen, you can be so single and yet so happy. You 
might be happier than the happiest married woman you see. It is possible. God did not design men to be your joy. No. God did not design a woman to be your joy. Not even children are your joy. He said, I am your joy. God is our joy. Whether things have yet worked or not, God is still your joy. Count it all joy. Yes, I don't have a car, but you can walk back home happy. Mm, it's okay. It's a matter of time. Yeah. We also walk, certain borders, rain hits you. A car passes, zwa, and they even splash water on you. You just say, hmm. Ah, ah. Range Rover one day. Range Rover one day. Range Rover one day. Range Rover one day. Lose appetite and peace. Ah, there are some people they are promoting before you, and for you, you're still behind. You seem like they're ignoring you. It's okay, let them ignore. A time will come when they can't ignore you. It's only a matter of time. Somebody say, Amen. Just keep doing the will of God. One day, this some people say, Where did Fanero come from? No, we were always there. They just ignored us until the time came where they can't what. Yes, may it be so in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So he says, carry that joy. I know you have not been sleeping well, but be happy. It's okay. Things are not yet working well in your body, but yeah, carry your joy, carry your smile. Put on your makeup and come to church happy. Wait on the Lord. Things will change. That's a sign that you are patient. But if you always, oh now me, that's an impatient person, that's anxiety. Anxiety is the seed of fear. We which have been perfected in love, we don't live with fear. We live in the simplicity of whatever provisions are present. For me, even if you took everything that I have, my wife can tell you, nothing in this world nothing in this world can take away my joy. The only thing was if I woke up and I can't serve God because that's what I know to do. I will never choose any other profession. I have the best boss. That's the only thing that will make me lose peace. But as long as I can still get this microphone, mama, take. Take. Because as long as I can still sit in my room and hear God speak to me, minister to me, that's my joy. That's my joy. Just my joy. Be sufficient in his sufficiency. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 5, 1, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus, we have peace. And it says, By whom also we have access by faith in this grace wherein we stand. And do what? What do we do? In the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We are just hoping that we are going to see his glory. And just to know that you're going to see his glory, you find yourself rejoicing. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. We don't just glory that I'm going to see God next year or next week. But even when we're in tribulations and afflictions, he says, we also find ourselves rejoicing. Knowing that tribulation worketh what? Patience. And patience worketh what? Experience. And experience worketh hope. 
and hope which maketh not ashamed. In other words, God will not let you die in that movie. But you need to keep your hope. And a hope that comes out of experience. And that experience that is built out of your patience. Praise the Lord. In Job 5.11, last scripture, he says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. That means any man who is in patience or patient mode is happy. They're happy. So how are you? <sighs> These days, the house is cold. No, how are you? Never felt much better. In the first service, I shared of a friend I have in uh, New Jersey. It's called Joe. This fellow married very late. You know those men who marry very late? Those people who you knew, ah, this one is forever. Jesus is going to come for him. And then out of the blue, he gets a very hot woman and he gets married to her. So, you see, he's a very old man, but with kids, very young kids, like they could be his grandkids. So one time I sit with Joe and we're talking. I never met a man happy. Joe is happy. Very happy guy. Joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's how he walks. That's how, and he used to be my chauffeur sometimes. He'd drive me. And then you find you in the morning. He says, Apostle Grace, good morning. How are you? And then you tell him, I'm fine. And you tell him, how are you? Joy of the Lord is over me. <laughs> joy of the Lord. His story is in the joy of the Lord. Glory to God. Joy of the Lord. His story is the joy of the Lord. So, it's that happy guy you want to be around. So, one of those days, I'm just curious. I tell this guy, hmm. How did that even work? How did you take all those years without getting married? Grand, you're supposed to be grandpa to these kids now and your father. Joe, how, how did that happen? Tell me, Pastor Grace, it's never how you start, it's how you finish. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, he says, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And I thought about it and it's true. People who started well, but things are shaking. And there are people here, they've not yet started. But when they start, when they start, not if, when they get married, when they get that job, when they get that promotion, when, 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 you'll see. Am I preaching to somebody? That's why he says, we behold and count them happy which endure. He says, ye have heard of the patience of Job and the end of the Lord. And you have seen that he's very pitiful and tender mercy. So beautiful to hear that in the same sentence. The patience of Job and the end of the Lord. That means your patience is God's end. Hallelujah. Your patience will end with God. Come on, let's celebrate Jesus. Can you give him a mighty, 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 mighty. mighty. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. You might be late, but I'm sure you'll finish well. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you take a minute and just thank him in your own words? In your own words.
of Jesus. He died for my sins and was raised for my glory. Today, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for these children, men and women who are here. Bless them. Work in their lives. Establish them. Align them. Preserve them. In Jesus' name. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.